Men's Alliance is a growing movement of tribes meeting weekly for a rugged outdoor workout and a real-world devotion around a fire. We're flipping tires, swinging sledgehammers, talking about real struggles, and getting pushed physically and spiritually to become the husbands, fathers, and leaders God designed us to be. We'll get you out of isolation, out of your comfort zone, and into something tribal, rugged, and real. Welcome to the Men's Alliance Podcast. I am Dave Mills, callsign Goose. Dusty Parker, callsign Shadow. Fighting a little bit of a cold today. Uh, might sound a, sound a little congested, but I think this... Uh, it's good for podcast. Yeah, I'm hoping so. And I've got a coffee in my left hand and a Coors Banquet Ale in my right. <laughs> so that should fix the cold. Yes. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this podcast with you shadow we're going to talk today about getting humbled yeah and june is pride month did you know that i did not <laughs> so um a lot of people when they think about pride month they think about homosexuality right or lgbt i mean that's what it's for but when i hear pride month i just think about pride and I'm like, why are we celebrating pride? Yeah. And why do we got to give them the word pride. And what does that have to do with your uh, sexual orientation? Right. And, 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 and why would we want to attach what, is, what the Bible calls um, the thing that God detests the most, which is pride? Um, why would we want to attach that to, um, to anything, really? But, you know, I just think as as men pride is such a struggle yeah it's a struggle for all of us and a lot of guys like to tell the the stories their greatest hits that make them sound tough and right and accomplished and and we all kind of do that from time to time right we share our victories but today i thought in honor of pride month we would share stories of getting humbled yep who better to do it than you and me? <laughs> That's right. And so I just want to really lead the charge with sharing stories about getting crushed and losses, really. Yeah. Not not technical losses, but but blows to the pride. I'm glad I was the first person you thought of. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I who's really screwing up? You're just the first person. Who's really been show. defeated a ton? That should just man. Well, this well, is true. So when I think about getting humbled, dude, like there's, there's one story that it's just, boom, it's, it's the instant one. Yeah. It's like that one. Now I'll have to stop and think for a minute about any other story. Cause that one is the big one that overshadows yeah. mine. So I want to share this one. <clears throat> so when you do an Ironman branded triathlon event, not all, not all triathlons do this, but an Ironman does this. They write your race number on the back of one of your calves okay, and on your arm. But then on your other calf, they write your age. Uh. And so I was attempting my first Ironman triathlon. You have that tattoo, right? I have 140.6. Okay. What is that? That's the distance. Okay. Um, so an Ironman triathlon is 
a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and then a 26.2 mile run. So 140.6. And so I was attempting my first one when I was 30. So I've got a 30 written on my calf. So this was not like a, a one thing that occurred during this race. Yeah. This was the entire race was humbling. The entire thing was humbling. So from the very beginning, like I am not, I am not a shaved leg speedo triathlete. And my goal from the very beginning was just finish the thing. Like I just wanted to see if I could, I could finish. And so you have 17 hours to finish. And if you don't cross the finish line in 17 hours, you don't get a finisher's medal. Um, So my goal was just, 17 hours and I had done the math and I think I was like, okay, I can do this. Um, I should be, I should be good under the 17 goal, but I knew I wasn't going to be fast by any means, but the, the swim is a total blur. Nobody can see or relate to anybody around them. The swim is just like being in a washing machine of arms and legs. Yeah. It's just keep going. You don't know what's happening, but then you get on the bike and everything clears up. And so I'm on this bike course for like seven ish hours, seven plus. I don't, I don't remember, but it was over seven, maybe, maybe eight. I don't remember. So you can see the age of everyone passing you. And you could see the age of people you were passing, but I wasn't passing anybody. And I lost count of how many 60-year-old women passed me on the bike. The first one that passes you, you know, like you get passed and you see gray hair and a chunky grandma with 64 written on her calf. And she just cruises right by you. She's like, and she's encouraging yeah. and smiling. And she's like, you're doing great. Keep it up. She had a basket on her <laughs> And, uh, and here I am, I'm 30, yeah. no excuse in the world, yeah. no excuses. And I was like, oh man, she must be incredible yeah. first. Right. That's my first coping mechanism was try to really elevate her. Right. Wow. She must be amazing. And then another one yeah. and then another one. So that was so humbling to me. I'm like, oof. So I hear later um, that my nephews had two two nephews who were watching me uh, online. Yeah, they weren't at the event. They were they were at home and they're watching this on the computer and they're seeing where their uncle is, and they're watching the finish line live cam. And they're seeing all of these elderly women pour across the finish line while they're waiting to watch their uncle cross the finish line. And they're like talking to their dad and they're like, so where's uncle Dave? And he's like, well, he hasn't crossed the finish line yet. We're waiting. And they're like, so, so all these old women, they've all beat uncle Dave, (laughs) right? Like really, they're just really spelling it out. Like, yeah, that's right. And then just the real, the real knife twist of this event came during the run. So the run course was a out and back two loops. Yeah. So you run like this 13 mile loop 
and then you turn around, and you run it again. And I'm running alongside of this guy. We had the same pace. We started up a conversation. Um, he, it was his 70th birthday. Yeah. He's like, today's my birthday. And um, I was like, wow, I saw it on his leg. I was like, oh, so you're 70. He goes, yeah. He goes, I, I do one of these every year on my birthday. And like my, my kids and my grandkids and everybody's here and we, we're going to like go out for cake afterwards. And so we're jogging along. We jog along for a long time, like a couple miles, really talking, getting to know each other, sharing stories, helping pass the time. And then we come up on that turnaround to go back out for the second lap. And I veered right for the second lap. And there's that awkward moment where he looks at me and realizes that I'm 13 miles behind him. Holy crap. And he goes, Oh, you got another. All right. Well, Hey, nice talking with you. Keep it up. You'll do great. <laughs> and he, he trots over to the finish line, which is super gut wrenching to be that close to the finish line yeah. and seeing people cross it. And now you got to turn around and, and go back out and do another 13. And man, so that was one of the most humbling events for me was I finished an Ironman triathlon at age 30 and was so much more humble after doing that than before doing it. Right. Like, so did you finish in the 17? I did. I I finished in, um, 1558, 1558 crossed the finish line with a buddy. Um, but it humbled me so much because I realized like you're good job, Dave, you're at age 30 and you're, you're doing the course and you're getting smoked by these 60 and 70 goes, this 70 year old man was 13 miles ahead of me on the run. Like I just learned really where I stood and had so much, um, esteem afterwards for these, these older women. Yeah. that bike. Right. I'm like, man, I will yeah. never ever think of myself more fit than a 60 year old woman. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because when you see it on their calf, as they pass you, you got no pride left. Yeah. So I think Louisville, Kentucky, 2009 is where I, I got maybe the most humbled. Have you trained much for that? Did you realize, <laughs> did you realize? Yeah, I, I trained now I trained as much as I possibly could okay. while working a a, a, a full time yeah. so job. So it's not like you went into it. No, no, no. I knew work. I knew that I was going to barely finish in under seventeen hours, and I I had trained. Right. I, I was I had taken it seriously. I had taken it seriously enough that I didn't have any excuse. Right. Like I couldn't say, "Oh, I didn't even train." Right. If I trained, I could. No, I have nothing. Like that was the best I had. Yeah. <laughs> See, when I get humbled, it's because I think I'm, I'm like, oh, I got this. I'm Dusty Shadow Parker. <laughs> <laughs> right. You get you get humbled when you when you pride set comes set yourself up. Yeah, that's I'm right. I myself into that verse all the time. Yeah. So. So that was mine. That was yeah. my 09 biggest yeah. one. Tell me, tell me one of yours. We'll see. I don't have like. I just remember when people ask me, like when you ask me, I can only remember the most recent one. 
Okay. And it's not like there's one that stands out more than others. So probably this isn't the most recent one. Uh, probably the biggest one to date was I applied for this job that I was way underqualified for. And one thing leads to another. I get called in for interview. I'm just like, I don't know what to expect really, but I'm, I'm like, I, I, I had practiced a lot with like all the practice. I think it's called the star method. H stand for something, but I practiced, you know, a lot. So I was like, okay, I got this. I, I can't, you think about stories that mm -hmm. you're going to tell if they ask you, but you know, for different situations, but this is, this was like a white collar job. So real office type environment, which mm -hmm. I was totally forward to. So all my stories of, you know, how did I accomplish this or get through things are all war stories or, you know, cop stories, mm -hmm. things of, things of dealing with people and yeah. how to complete missions, you know. This was your first job where you didn't have a gun. Right. That I'm applying <laughs> for. Right. So I don't know why. I, so the first thing they ask me is, so I, you know, I sit down, it's like a panel of about four, four or five people. And they say, okay, are you right? There's no, I mean, they're all stone cold faces. There's no like warm up question or tell us a little bit about yourself. It's just sit down and they just start reading off the thing. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, as in for real. Tell us about a time where you were um, observing data and you found adverse data and what you did to proactively uh, correct the data. And I'm like, you know, and have you ever watched a movie where they zoom in on the actor and then everything else behind them <laughs> zooms out like, and, the, and the violence goes, mm, yeah. you know, that's exactly what if I was like, oh, no, like. <laughs> I, and I'm, when I hear data, I'm I'm thinking self like data, like technical data, like cell phone data, like a data plan on my phone. I'm like, what do they need data? I'm like, I was like, can you repeat the question? <laughs> can you use that <laughs> yeah. word in a sentence? Yeah. So they read it to me again, <laughs> and I'm like, and it's just silence. You know, I'm like, I know I'm flush, like eat red. I did everything. I was like, okay, like I am not cut out for this. I should just get up and leave right now. And then they asked me again. I'm like, do you want us to repeat the question? I'm like, yes, please. And so they repeated it again. And the only thing I can come out of my mouth is, well, I've never worked with computers. Because <laughs> I think they're talking about data, like data entry kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't know what they're talking about. So then I realized later on they're talking about like that you've observed like information. Right. Like Something stuff. Yeah, stuff. Anything. But they use the word, these big words like data, you know, <laughs> that I've just, like, I'm used to the, the jobs I've had is tell us about a time you didn't get along with an employee or a mission you had to complete. Right. These are all office type questions. So they were, were like, do you want us to come back to that? I was like, yes, please. Your question is invalid. Yeah. Next question. Right. So then I finally realized, like, okay, I just need to turn my experience into what they're looking for. Like I kind of had to do it on the fly and I was able to, I was like, this is, I realized like this is going to be an interview like they never had before. Cause I'm going to be telling about times that my buddies had gotten shot. Like when there's like, tell us about a time where you, 
you know, had a problem at work or a challenge at work that you had to overcome. So I'm talking about, you know, we're getting shot at downrange and how we had to pull from, like I'm telling more stories. I'm picturing right now, I'm picturing Tommy Boy pick, picking up the model cars off the desk yes. and crashing them together yeah. and lighting oh, it Tommy, on fire. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like... <laughs> Little billies in the back. New kids over here puking his guts out. (laughs) Fire chief's like, oh my god. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what it was like. I mean, I'm telling them these things, and they're not even looking up. They're writing. They're writing as they can. And but each question, I was able to tell them how I did it. You know what the outcome was, and like what I learned, like all the elements, because I know it was all point based system. But I just walked out of. I finally got through it all, and I was able to tell a story about how I. As far as the data question about how I, when I was instructing some guy to be a a uh, a security contractor, he's going to be doing diplomatic security. You know how he left his weapon outside the building before he went in, and so that was the adverse data that I found. I went to his personal instructor and told him about it. That's what I did to correct it, so he wouldn't. So it wouldn't actually happen. You know the. Uh, the proactive part was correcting it before he actually got down apparently so i figured it out but i left that thinking like there's no way like i'm, I'm just an idiot like what was i thinking <laughs> like taking this job or thinking that i could get this job but because i called everybody i was like i totally bummed that interview i just walked away feeling like terrible yeah but i got the job <laughs> you got you got humbled yeah. And you got a job. Yeah, I got That's... hustled, but I was, I still, you know, not, you know, succeeded. But I guess like you did with the, yeah, with the, you still completed. You can still power but through still, while being home. Yeah, but I was still like, I mean, I only, it was nothing I did, you know, yeah. it was totally a God thing. Yeah. But that was the big, when I, I just feeling like super embarrassed, like as an adult. Yeah. And that was, that I have a more recent one than that, if you haven't noticed. Yeah. I love that one because it's funny picturing you yeah. uh, in an office, yeah. you know, interviewing for a job. Right. So I was thinking of like, probably the other biggest one is um, I used to do judo. Right. Yeah. And the very first time I didn't, I didn't know anything about judo. Yeah. And this was before like, uh, there were Brazilian jiu-jitsu places yeah. in every town. Um, Gracie had just won. Like, we're talking like, I don't know what year. UFC started in like the late 90s. Yeah. Yeah. It was the 90s. There was like UFC 1, 2, 3. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this this uh, jiu-jitsu guy is winning and tapping out these guys two and three times his size. And that was when the world kind of started noticing this uh this martial arts so this was like right right around then late 90s i um didn't know anything about what judo was and there i, I didn't have internet yeah. and um and so i i was i found it in a phone book okay. and this place um it was called the greensboro judo and jiu-jitsu alliance and i saw this place and i was like Huh, that looks pretty cool. I wanted to learn something cool. I really wanted to do boxing. Yeah. I couldn't find any boxing lessons. Yeah. And um and I, I didn't want to do like any anything like karate or taekwondo. I knew what those were and didn't want to do that. This is 
military? Yeah, I was in college. And um, so I go to this place. I called them and they said, yeah, you can come check us out for free. We'll give you a free lesson. Uh, wear, wear something heavy, like sweats, okay. like something that won't rip. Right. And that should have been my first clue, like a little bit of what this is going to be. I was like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. Uh, and um, so I was wearing like sweatpants, sweatshirt. And um, I didn't realize it was like, you know, they're going to grab you by your clothing yeah. and throw you. Right. And your 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 heels are going to skim the ceiling. <laughs> and then you are going to slam down onto your back. And at the same second that your back hits the mat, yeah. they're landing on your chest. Yeah. Right. And so you can't breathe and you're, and you're just, somehow, you're in a pretzel. And then they somehow convince you to pay them for yeah. it. <laughs> so I go up to this instructor before, before the class started. I was like, Hey, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that called it. I'm like, Oh yeah. He was like, how'd you find out about us? How'd you hear about us? And, and anyway, I'll cut to the end of the story. This instructor choked me with my own arm, right? He choked me out with my own arm. And so I was like, man, this is awesome. I love this. I got to learn how to do this. But then the humbling continued for years, right? And so if you've ever done a, a judo or a jujitsu, you know that you can do it for years and years and not be near the top, right? Like it's such a long-term thing. Guys that are black belts in judo and jujitsu, they've been doing it for like 15, 20 plus years. You can do it for five to 10 years and move up like to bully, right? right? It's it's a, it's a long-term game. That's what what I love about it. Yeah. That it's not gimmicky. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I learned too, that like, so my instructor, he was, he was from Europe. And um, yeah, he, he explained to me how like all the all the colored belts are just an American thing. Yeah. Because Americans need more little incentives right. along the way. Yeah. And like uh, judo uh, comes from Japan. Right. It's a Japanese martial art. And and in Japan for for, you know, decades, judo, you were either a white belt. You, you would be a white belt for decades. Right. And then you'd make black belt. Right. That was it. There's white and black. And you do white and just get destroyed right. for 20 years. And then you become the master and they hand you black. Right. And it wasn't until American, they were like, all the parents need incentive to keep Johnny enrolled. Yeah. So they're like, okay, yellow, yes, blue, exactly. purple, green, yeah. stripes, blue, orange. Orange with stripe. Yeah. Blue with stripe. <laughs> so each one costs 50 bucks. The thing I learned was I learned even after doing it for a couple years, that like guests from other clubs would come visit yeah. and just destroy me. Yeah. And I'm tapping out and I'm getting thrown by new throws that I never heard of and didn't know how to really defend against that one. Yeah. Right. And so I definitely learned that the more I, the more I did judo, the more humble I got about judo. Right. The more I realized, like, I think if you've never done a martial art like those, you don't realize where, where people who are really good yeah. are at on that spectrum. Right. Right. And when you do it for a while and you compete against some people, you realize I could do this for 10 years and still suck. Yeah. And so I became much more 
humble on the on the yeah. scale of where guys are at and realize tremendous amount of respect for for these people. Right. You know, I, I still carry that around today, even though I don't I don't do these anymore. I haven't done judo or jujitsu in years. And um I still know don't ever don't ever think that because you've done a little bit of something that you can take somebody. Well what's so great about those kind of martial arts is that by being humble, like you learn, I mean, you keep, you said the word learn a lot. So that's when you learn. You learn so much about yourself when you get humble, in, especially in a martial art. Like that's, that's true. You learn tons about yourself. It's like you learn what you're made of. You learn what, how much grit you have. It's like you learn, you know, you can measure yourself in a way. Uh, you can learn how, what, are you, what you need to get better at, you know. So I think it's just so good. And one thing you said, it reminded, I wasn't going to talk, think about this, but it made me think when you're like, I could do this for 10 years and still suck is all this apologetics that we've been doing. You know? That's another great example. Yeah. Yeah. It was like think, being humble. My first apologetics class for Apache class hmm. was like, I don't know anything, <laughs> you know? And I've said it to you before. I was like, Hey, just for me to know a little bit about one aspect of of like pick a topic that you want to get good at. You could learn about it for months, years, even and still just know a little bit about one thing. Yep, <laughs> you know? so true. So it's like it's so similar to what you're talking about judo. Like you can do it for so long. Yeah. But still, but you know more than the average person. You know, you may not know as much as the guy who's a black belt in judo, but you know more yeah. than a guy who's never taken a class that thinks he knows a lot about judo. Yeah. You know. The same thing about apologetics. And the funny thing is that guy who's never taken a class, he's probably super confident. Right. And right. And, right. And like that's when pride comes before the fall. Yeah. And like I've my my biking in, in all my training for the triathlon, I've biked thousands of miles. Right. And biking thousands of miles taught me that I'm not a good cycler. Right. And and doing, you know, years of judo taught me that I'm not good at judo. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it should really doing, be the right, other way around. Doing, what two years now of apologetics has taught me that. That's good. You know? <laughs> so it's the same thing, which makes me want to learn more. You know, which yeah. makes when you're doing judo or martial arts, when you realize how much you don't know, it makes you, it makes you do two things. It makes you say, "No way, this ain't for me." Or if you, it, or it gives you a thirst and a hunger. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Stay humble. Hey, this is Dusty Shadow Parker. I just wanted to take a break here and tell y'all, help us reach more men. We cannot sharpen men into the husbands, fathers, and leaders that God designed us to be without your financial support. Your donations enable us to launch and sustain tribes at more churches and reach more men with the gospel of Christ. Men's Alliance is a 501c3 nonprofit so your financial support is tax deductible. Go to mensalliancetribe.com slash support to join our team. Now go refill up your coffee and enjoy the rest of this podcast. Okay, we're back and discussing getting humbled and how important that is to uh, to keep us from uh, developing pride. So, all right, Shadow, give it, give us one more. Man, another one. This is probably the most recent one. Is if people don't know, I've I've sang my whole life. I've been. My dad is is a music pastor. He still is. So that was kind of his his art that he had passed down to me. 
He was my vocal coach for a long time. I've had vocal coaches uh, pretty much throughout my whole high school and college uh, life. And uh, so I sing it. I've always sang in on my, you know, whatever church I've been involved with doing, as they used to call special music, quote unquote, so just singing different solos in church, uh, being on a worship team. And so, like anything, if you become, you know, good at something, you, you take a little bit of pride in it. You know, it's kind of like something you identify as, like, if I, this is, this is part of who I am. So, of course, you want it to be good. Just like any artist, you don't want to paint a picture and somebody say, oh, that was terrible. You think you're good at it. So, I was singing at a big event, you know, where a lot of people come to listen. And I was given a solo to sing. And I had to do it multiple times. But then there's this, there's this moment in the song where you can either give the people what they want or, or play it safe. Yeah. You know? And so I was giving the people what they wanted <laughs> through most of the, most of the services. And, you know, you're getting a little fatigued and I'm like, but I got this, you know, I'm, I'm vocally trained singer. Like I can sing, you know, the highest note at the top of my range all day. So. I get to that part in the song, but the, and the worst thing is, is when you, you screw up and everybody knows it, but you don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I, in my head, it sounded like I, I go for this high note and it, to me, it sounded, it sounded like it was spot on, but I could tell afterwards the way people were looking at me, it's like, <laughs> that was not great, you know? <laughs> and so I was able to watch it back and it was just totally flat off and i'm just like oh my gosh like i wanted to crawl under a rock and die <laughs> like it was so it, like it, so probably most people they d- didn't like even let's do it but me personally it was like the worst thing that ever could happen yeah you know? and i was just like thank you lord for humbling me you yeah know, it took me a good week or two to get over that like my Damn. mom even knew yeah. like that she called <laughs> me she's like because she knows she was like Heard you had a bad day, yeah, honey. She's like, I know you're probably, <laughs> if you're anything like me, you're eating yourself up over this. And I was like, I don't think they're going to ever ask me to sing anything. I was like, that's how bad I thought it was. Like, I, it was just so humbling. And I learned, like, one, don't you don't always have to go for the high note. Yeah. And two, to just stay humble and remember why you're singing who you're singing to. Mm, you know? That's good. So God does that to me every now and then. He's got to bust me down a couple notches <laughs> yeah but you know but yeah that was something that that super humbled me for sure that was probably the most recent one i think the most recent one for me and this will be the last one i'll share um and, and it's really much more important than anything about triathlons or yeah. judo is parenting um oh, yeah, sure. so Man, holy smokes. That'll humble you more than anything. Is <laughs> is uh get a couple teenagers looking up to you. Yeah. That you're trying to teach. Yeah. Um and train and then screw up in front of them. Yeah. And oh man, yeah, I could go on. Yes. <laughs> and and you know, one of my one of my kids um I was in my office one day and one of my kids came and knocked on my office door and came in. It was just so adult-like, 
Like they knocked. And I was like, yeah, come on in. What, what, what's up? Came in and shut the door and said, dad, um, I just want to tell you that I don't think you handled that earlier conversation very well. <laughs> and, and at first I'm like, I went immediately with, def- him, with him. Yeah. The conversation with him. Yeah. And I went immediately defensive. I immediately, my knee jerk reaction was, Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, you're wrong. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that was just immediately where I went to. And he stated his case and walked out. And man, I just sat there and I was like, he, he's totally right. Yeah. Crap. Crap. Right. <sighs> and I sat there for uh, like probably a couple minutes. This is when you have to decide, like, yeah. do you want him to re- how do you want him to remember you? Yeah. And I had to go up to him. I had to go find him because like, it would have been better if I would have handled it right there on that moment. Right. If when he would have come in there and said that to me, if I would have said, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm sorry. It would have been much, much smoother. But I had gone defensive. So not only had I messed up right. um, in the in the first place, but then when he pointed out to me, I went defensive. So that kind of made it twice as hard. So I did go back to him and I said, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't handle that right. Thank you for pointing that out to me. I mean, the whole nine yards. Right. Apologized. He was like, thank you. And we hugged and everything, everything was good. But I wish I could tell you that was the only time that's happened. (laughs) There's been, there's been quite a few times, you know, where either my wife or a kid has, has come to me and said, dad, you didn't, you didn't do that right. No. Can handle that right. Usually, I've already known it. Right. Usually, I I knew it the second it happened, but this one, I really was defensive and hung on to it. And that that was a big one for me. That really, I was like, dang. So you you to apologize? Yeah, I'm not where. I think it rattled me because it made me realize I am not where I wanted to be. Yeah, I'm not where I want to be, um, maturity wise. Like yeah. I'm still. Um, instantly getting defensive right. when it's brought up to me. I think it's good to hear that as that we know that guys know that you still don't have it all together. Because <laughs> it makes no. it makes you know people in your position attainable. You know, looks like we're all in this together. Like we're not perfect. I think pastors when they get up on the stage and say this message is for you guys, not me. You know, mm-hmm. it's it. Received totally different, but when they, when I've heard pastors say, "I'm preaching this message as much to myself as everybody else," you know, yeah, because I'm preaching it, and that's what we talk about, like what you've told me in the past, and what I try to share with leading your family in a devotion. Yep. Like, just because I'm leading you in a devotion doesn't mean I have all my stuff together, you know. Oh, so good, and we, yeah, you know the um, the podcast that we just did on leading your family spiritually. Yeah. That was one of the things we talked about is you better, if you guys, if you haven't heard that one yet, go back and listen to that one. Um, great conversation. Yeah. Um, but if you, you, you have to come into that right. from a very humble position. Yeah. Of, hey guys, I know that I've messed up a lot. Um, I don't get this right all the time. 
but I want to share this with you. Right. And it's not an excuse to not be better or be that person, you know. Yeah. You know, don't get in the habit, be like, oh, he's still working on me. Yeah. You know, like I we're we're all messed up. We're That's right. Trucking. It's like have it be your goal to not yeah. have to say that anymore. You know? Yeah. But understand that it's okay that, you know, even though that Goose teaches apologetics doesn't mean that he's got it all together. You know, absolutely. Just because Dusty does a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I think that we can we can leverage that yeah. as we lead, right? One thing we say a lot um in men's alliance is you don't have to be the fittest guy right. to lead the workout. Yeah. Right? You don't have to be the fastest or the strongest or the most in shape to lead the workout. Just lead the workout. Yeah. Right. Um, I was telling a guy just last week. Um, like he was getting ready to lead and I was, and he was saying, man, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be a hard enough workout because right. I'm not in really good shape. And I was telling him, I was like, dude, have us do more than you could possibly do. Right. You don't have to try to do it. Right. Yeah. Like you can set the bar higher than you yourself can attain. Right. right. And we certainly apply that to the devotion, right? right? You don't have to be the most spiritual. You don't have to be the most knowledgeable to lead the devotion right just lead it right right and set the bar high set the bar higher than right. you or any of us can reach yeah and just going back to you know apologize to your kids it's like you think i think we we naturally think that that's going to make us look weak you know and like make us look like they got one over on us but i just remember as a kid when my dad the few times that he would apologize to me i respected him way much more for it for it and if he would just acted like he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. You know? And so I remember that. I apologize to my kids all the time. Like, I've gotten over that. At first, when I first, the first couple times where I had to, I was like, oh, screw this. You know? Like, I'm the head of the household. I don't apologize to my kids. Yeah. That's like such an immature and bad leadership style. So like you have to admit that you've done wrong. You know, you just reminded me, and I won't tell the whole story. <clears throat> I told I told this story on a previous podcast about yeah. the biggest mistake I made um, flying in the Air Force. Right. About the time I left in a um, a downlock for the landing gear. Right. And it had that exact effect that you just mentioned. Yeah. Right. Because I I instantly owned up to it. Right. And when we landed, and the commander was waiting at the bottom of the jet. And he said to me as I walked off the, the jet, he goes, come see me in my office. Right. And Uh-oh. I'm like, oh, man. Right. You know, and when I go see him, he was like, you know how many people have done that and not owned up to it? Right. And you're, one of, the, you're one of the few. Yeah. And you're one of the few that owned up to it. And like the whole daggum thing wound up. I think I, I think my career benefited from it. Yeah. Right. Be, and, and, and certainly it wouldn't if I had done it again. Right. Your career's right. not going to benefit right. from being a screw up. But if you do something one time and people are watching how you handle it. Right. I mean, right. Because God honors that kind of behavior. You know what I mean? He honors honesty. He yeah. Honors, you know, he honors, you know, people acting after his own heart. You know? Yeah. And so I think that if we handle it well, we can come out of it looking better, right. especially when it comes to 
our kids or our wife pointing something out. Yeah. Right. And guys, I'll share this with you. If your wife points out something that you need to improve on, maybe it's your temper, maybe it's your listening, whatever it is, you're going to have that immediate knee jerk reaction of being defensive. Right. You're going to want to say, no, you're wrong. Yeah. And, and fight that moment, fight that urge and take a deep breath and humble yourself and realize she's not wrong. Right. Right. Yeah. Being humbled by your wives could be a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been fun, man. Yeah. I like, uh, it, it's, it's fun to share stories of how we've been seriously humbled. Yeah. You know, you and I have both done a lot of big things and if you're going to do a lot of big things, you're going to encounter uh, people who are um, world class. Yeah. If you're going to do something big, you're going to encounter some people that are perhaps the best in the world at that. Right. And you, you're going to have to realize you're swimming in the big pond. Yeah. You know, you're, you're playing with the big boys yeah. and, um, and that's okay. You don't have to be the best at everything. Right. Um, and when it comes to, like you said, like sharing our faith, learning how to um, articulate what we believe and why, and especially when it comes to parenting, uh, we all fall short. Yeah. So yeah, I got many more, but that'll be for <laughs> another day. <laughs> guys, I just want to encourage you um, as you listen to this, uh, send us, if you want to send us yours, we would love to hear it. Yeah. Right. Send us a story of a time where you got humbled uh, to info at men's Alliance tribe.com. I'd love to, uh, you know, Hear from you guys the um, and, and create that that back and forth with you guys as as listeners. That'll be fun, and we will read it on the air. <laughs> we won't embarrass you um, unless it's chief. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, guys, as we start into this month, where where many people in our culture celebrate pride, let's be the tribe that celebrates humility. All right, guys, see you around the fire. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Men's Alliance podcast. Find your tribe at mensalliancetribe.com, or maybe you're the man to start one in your area. And send us your questions or comments to info at mensalliancetribe.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we look forward to seeing you around the fire soon.